job, guys. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah, 2020. I can remember being in third grade and wondering, how old am I going to be in 2020? Uh, I don't know why. That was always kind of a funny year to me. I guess because at the time, the, and this is going to expose some ignorance on my part when I was in third grade, but when I was a kid, I used to think that the show that Barbara Walters was on, 2020, had something to do with the year 2020. I didn't connect the, the dots that it meant something, something else. But, uh, um, but yeah, 2020, it, it always sounded to me very futuristic. I mean, in, in, in movie land, you know, Marty McFly already went to the future and came back before 2020. So 2020 had to be way out there, right? I mean, we'd be flying in cars, and I'd go to work in my Jetson bank tube now, so I don't have to deal with traffic and all this wonderful stuff. And it's 2020. Uh, not a, I mean, it's, you know, everyone is excited about making their New Year's resolutions. Um, uh, all these new things that they're going to do, and then they don't end up doing them. Um, I was reading an article the other uh, day where it talked about, and this guy who wrote the article, he goes to the gym a lot, so, you know, I didn't write it. Um, but he, and he says that it's very funny uh, to those who do, that they're avid gym goers, or that they go to these classes and whatnot, and they purposefully plan throughout the year to sit out the first four to six weeks of every year because they know that when they go to the gym from between January 1st to roughly March, it'll be packed with people who have no idea what they're doing, using all the equipment, not putting the equipment right, and they know that if they just give it time, they'll disappear. They'll, it's just a phase that they'll fade out. They won't stick to the New Year resolution. And, and it's just not gym or, or, or resolving to get better physically or to get better in shape. We resolve to, to seek pursuit in all kinds of things, good things, good things. But there's always this track that we're on, on trying to seek and obtain uh, a phrase that I heard uh, say, enoughness. Uh, um, always trying to, to push towards being enough. And that could be enough as a father. That could be enough as a mother. That could be enough as a worker in your vocation. It could be enough as a Christian. It could be enough as anything that you put that you're pursuing to achieve something by your own merit and work, something to obtain. Um, why do people make New Year's resolutions? Well, most people seek positive change. Positive change is a good thing. It's a good thing to experience positive change in your life. Uh, people do uh, uh, New Year's resolutions to, uh, uh, they, 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 they're seeking the pride in self-improvement. I mean, I, let's face it, I, when I feel like that I have done something to improve myself, I have pride in me. Look what I did. Look what I've done. Um, and, and that's a very dangerous place to be if I believe that I made that happen and that the Lord didn't make improvements in my life. We pursue uh, uh, news resolutions believing we can and should improve ourselves. Yes, we should. We should improve ourselves. And we're all doing this to obtain what I said earlier, enoughness. Because we believe that if we obtain this special level of enoughness, then we will be happy 
and that God will be happy with us. Or whatever God that is. That doesn't have to be the God that we know. That could be the God of our work. That could be the God of a relationship. That could be the, the little g God of society, of culture. Of if I ha- obtain this level, if I have this possession, or if I have this title after my name, or if I have this number in my banking account, then I've made it. But the problem with pursuing enoughness is as soon as you make that benchmark, then there's another one. And there's another one. And there's another one. You're seeking fulfillment in things that you can't be fulfilled by, but even more than that, that you can't do the fulfilling in you. And so it's a constant pursuit of several things will happen. One, it's a life of just insane, just going and going and going and never giving up. And, and, and everyone who's in the wake of your progress, well, that, that's just part of you obtaining. And then there's also a, a, a position of crash and burn, where, where you have these high expectations, put it all, whatever it is, and when you don't meet them, you feel like a failure. You feel like, I haven't done what I set out to do, and you think that all of these people and God are going to be disappointed in you because you didn't hold your end of the bargain. Um, we, we, we believe that happiness is found in our pursuit in obtaining this enoughness. I, 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 if I do it, if I, 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 But the truth is, we can never achieve this fancy, fantasy idea of enoughness. But the pursuit of enoughness and the idea of obtaining it is seductive enough and attractive enough and addictive enough to to draw us into it, to suck us into it. People make plans, goals to change, but usually burn out or fail or worse. Why? because we prefer certainty to change. You know, I'm certain that I'm going to be who I've always been in certain things. But change, that's maybe. Two, we're not willing to pay the price. Yeah, I want to, sure, I want to have muscles everywhere, but I'm not willing to pay the price of spending time, of watching my diet, of being in the gym all the time, and paying the price of, of not seeing my family, because I'm there all the time. Now, if I, I'm, now, see, I sell that. I can get up early enough, because see, and I do get up early enough. See, I'm making excuses. Oh, I don't have time. Oh, I don't have this and all that. See, those are excuses. If I really wanted to do it, if I really wanted to make the change, I would do it, but I don't. We look, because, huh, because we look for short-term solutions to long-term problems. That's why there's a billion of get-rich-quick schemes with no one rich. That's why if you buy my book, if you go to my talk, if you pay money for a ticket to listen to me tell you how rich you're going to be, well, you're, you're making them rich because you're, you know, you're going and you're paying and all of that. You know, you, you, you want to be rich? Stop spending money. Save money. And you'll grow it. But see, we, we, we're not willing to pay the price of, well, I don't want to, you know, eat just this. Or I don't want to live in this area. Or, or I, I want to, I'm willing to part with my funds for other things. And I'm not willing to save. We are never enough. And this is very important. As Christians, it is very important that we do not get caught up in self-improvement for the sake of proving something to God. Let me say that again. 
As Christians, it's important that we do not get caught up in self-improvement for the sake of proving something to God. God knows who I am. God knows what I'm capable of. God knows my mistakes, flaws, my hang-ups. My... God knows that even my best intentions are still tainted with sin. I, I, even the good that I do, even, the, even when I want to do good, I don't do it. And even when I don't want to do bad, I end up doing it still somehow. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? There's nothing wrong with self-improvement. Please don't leave here today and say, Zach said I shouldn't try to improve. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with self-improvement as long as it's for the sake of loving and serving our neighbors. Yes, improve yourself. Improve yourself and seek the self-improvement because in that self-improvement, it, it's just a natural effect. You will, it will lead you and guide you into loving and serving your neighbor more. Self-improvement. I need to think more about others. I need to be more mindful and cognizant of other people. I need to think, like, I, I watch how it naturally comes to people, or I think it comes naturally to people. And I see it just, you know, the thoughts of, how's this person doing, or how's that person doing, or I wonder how they're doing. That doesn't come to me naturally. And I, I've, I've watched and, and tried to learn and glean from things like that, like Pastor Derek. I've talked with him before. I, how do you always just know to, to reach out to someone to see how someone is doing. It seems like someone is always on your heart, and he just said, well, someone comes to your mind, just text them, just pray them. You never know. Maybe the Holy Spirit that's putting that person on your mind for a reason. So I've tried to do that, and that has helped me. I want to improve in that for the sake of loving and serving my neighbor. I will fall short. I will fail. I will never be enough. I was even seeking enoughness in preparing for the sermon. I, and I've done it before. Where you, you, you pour over scripture and you pour over resources and you read and you study. And like, I want to make sure I say the right things. I want to make sure that I give the best sermon ever, that everybody enjoys it and loves it. And I, 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 I want to be enough. I want people to think I'm enough. I want people to think that I'm enough in this. And then I start thinking about this and I'm going with this and I'm like, I need this for me right now. This is enough. This is enough. Me, apart from this, is not enough. It's just a TED talk. Then. It's just, it's just a self-help talk. It's just a positive, positive reinforcement, a, a positive thing and positive outlook. But when you apply this and use this, then it's a sermon. Then it's a Christian message. When it revolves around Christ. Good news for failures. God shows his mercy through your failure and despite your failure. When you fail, God doesn't hide his mercy from you. When you fail, God doesn't put you over into timeout until you succeed. He put Christ in timeout for you and for me. God doesn't believe in you. I hear people say that, oh, God believe. No, 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 God doesn't believe in me. No, no, no. He, God doesn't believe in me to accomplish some mighty thing or never fail. He does, however, call me to believe in his son. Jesus has accomplished a mighty thing for you. God's love never fails. 
His mercy never fails. He will never fail you. That's the good news for failures is that while I fail, Jesus never fails. He promised to take my sins and separate them as far as the east is from the west. He promised that where he is, I will be also. He promised to never leave me, to never forsake me. He promised that when I was faithless, he would be faithful. He's promised. He's never failed. I'm the failure. He's the savior. That's, the, that's what's going on in this relationship. And it doesn't cause him to love me or you any less. You and what you do does not fluctuate God's meter of love for you. You know that, right? Because he loved you while you hated him, while you didn't want him, while you were his enemy, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And that's good news for failures. Newsflash, we all are. So anyone who thinks, well, I'm glad I'm not a failure. Eh, wrong, you failed just then. When you fail... Let it remind you that all you have and are is a gift of God's grace. It's a wonderful reminder to be reminded that all that I have is Jesus. But more times than not, when I realize that, it's because I'm going through an experience of extreme failure and loss. Because everything feels like it's been stripped away from me. And all I have is Christ. But in that moment, I'm very thankful. Because he proves time and time and again that he is there. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. When I'm at my worst, he's there. When I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death, not that he protected me from it, when I'm in the valley, he's there. See, that's different. He's not left me. He's not gone away. He's not on vacation. It might feel like he is. See, feelings and reality are two different things. I can feel like God's not with me. This tells me otherwise. This tells me he's never left me. He's been united with me. He has been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Not when I feel like it. Not when I'm succeeding. Not when I'm failing. It just says, he's with me. A bad place to be is to believe in our successes is courtesy of ourselves. I reject a Christianity that teaches me to look like someone who does not need Jesus. I reject a Christianity that teaches me that I can now look like someone who doesn't need forgiveness every day, who doesn't need Jesus to sustain me, to fulfill me, to carry me, to bring me back to the flock, to the fold, which he's promised to always do. Why? Because I'm his sheep. And that's what a shepherd does. Good news for those who are seeking enoughness. Because of Christ's cross and blood, God has canceled, closed, shut down any gem of self-help religion. So if you try to go and show up at that gym, it's closed. What am I trying to say? It's that religion that teaches you, here's the ladder that you need to climb up to get God, is over. That doesn't work. Because through Christ and what he did in his life, death, and resurrection, is that it shows where a ladder that he climbed down on 
to get you and to get me. Should you grow more? Yes. But who's doing the growing spiritually? Christ. That's his work. That's his pay grade. And guess what he said in here? He's promised to do it. Does it look like it sometimes to me? No, because I'm looking at me. Ah, but when I look at Christ, when I'm looking at Christ, how does Christ look in place of me? He looks perfect. Does that mean I'm perfect? No, no, no. He's promised. He's said that he was the author of my faith, and he said that he was the finisher of my faith. So this year, and every year, to, 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 to try in your own self to do more, to try harder, to reach spiritual enoughness through your work, that's over. God will, to do this so that God will be more real to us, to closer to us, to, to be fuller in us, to, that, that God will be closer. As a Christian, God's united with you in Christ. And he's promised to never leave you or forsake you. Now, I, I like feeling like God's with me. I like feeling like that. I, I like the spiritual highs. I like those. I really do. I like those a lot. They, I, 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 I enjoy that. But when I'm not on a spiritual high, does it mean that God's not with me? He's right there. I said earlier, the title of the message is enough already. It's because Jesus is enough for you already right now. And see, sometimes it's easy to think that God was enough for me when I was in third grade. And sometimes it's even easy for me to, be, me to believe that God will be enough for me when I'm older. But the comfort in knowing that God is enough for me right now, right now, right now, helps me so much. If you'll turn to Colossians chapter 2, I want to read something to you right quick. Verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. As you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Back in verse 10, we read, 
and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Filled in him. Part of the different in, in translations say to make full, complete in every particular, to render perfect is what the Greek word means in this. In Christ, you have been made complete. In Christ, you are counted enough already. Buried with Christ, united with Christ, saves us, fulfills us, completes us. This is a promise from God without consideration of how you feel about it or how it makes you feel. It's his promise, and it is independent of your feelings about it. And that is good news for me when my feelings are like this all the time about God. Look at the Psalms. David's feelings about God are all over the place. One minute he's praising him, the next minute he's like, where are you? And that, I relate to that. It is finished. When Jesus said that on the cross, all our worry, self-judgments, God's condemnation of sin were shut up and silenced in his death. In the power of his resurrection, we are set free to receive all we need for this body and life from God. We are set free to love and serve our neighbor with everything we have been given by God. We are enough. To make us be enough, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our justifier, redeemer, our enoughness right now. Making a new person is a work only Christ can accomplish. Your life worth enoughness is not defined by you, your performance, what you do or don't do. Christ defines your worth. How does Christ define your worth? He gives give his life to have you. In Christ, you are counted more than enough for the year, the decade, your whole life. Because Christ is sufficient and mighty to save. Do you want more of God? Believe in Jesus Christ. Be buried with him, crucified with him, united with him. You have all of God with you already. He will never leave you. Will the team come forward, please? It's easy to say that it's easy to say that God is with me, but it's difficult when I'm going through hard times or I'm going through a crisis of faith or I'm going through things. And it's in those moments when I look to try to be fulfilled by other things that are outside of Christ or not Christ is when I'll experience that rejection and failure. But every time that I've looked to Jesus and I look to what he has done, specifically in his life, death, and resurrection, it gives me so much comfort. And this gives me comfort too. Yes, I encourage you to read this. Oh, I don't have enough time. Oh, I, did, I, I, did, I, I love podcasts. I'm a podcast junkie. There's plenty of free resources through podcast services where you can listen to someone reading the Bible. You want to hear God speak to you? Listen to an audio Bible. This is God's word. This is God's word. Jesus said it's, it's God-breathed. And it's for you. It's for you, and it's for me. One of God's words says this. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. That's a promise. That's God's word. If you're here this morning and you want to place your faith in Jesus Christ or you realize you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I invite you to come forward during this time as the prayer team comes forward. Also invite you to come forward this time and let you know, let us know or talk to us afterwards. If you want to be baptized in the next baptismal service we have, there is, it's a wonderful promise that God has made. There's wonderful promises that are connected to it. And I know that you'll be blessed by it. This time is for anyone who has prayer to come forward during this time. Happy New Year. Christ is enough for you.